What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bushwick Breakout fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I am here with my co-host, as always, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Two straight weeks of you being on the phone, huh? Yeah, so, shit, man. So, you might think I'm still in Europe. No, I got home from Europe this morning. Am I jet-lagged? Absolutely. for asking. My computer, which is in a room full of construction and getting painted right now, is just not turning on, like, whatsoever. So, I'm on a phone. Uh, I apologize to all the listeners that have to listen to low quality one more week, but I will be back in, in full strength next week and uh, somehow I'll make it up to you. But my European trip, got to tell you, pretty crazy. Uh, Berlin, some way, place I never wanted to leave my entire life. Uh, even crazier, I met a fan of our, of our podcast in Switzerland. Uh, his name is Mark and his girlfriend Amanda fed, fed me and our friend Mike dinner. So that was amazing. And uh, what a small world. It blows my mind every day that people actually listen to us. Not just listen to us, but um, value our opinions in some way, shape, or form. While you were in Europe, I went to the meetup game once again, second straight year for me. You and I have done every meetup game so far, I think, and uh, we've only done one together, so that's pretty great. Yeah, um, well, you know. Our friend our friend Rex was there. He flew in all the way from Minnesota for it. with his Rex was there? Dad. Yeah, Rex was there. Uh, a lot taller yeah. than I thought. How tall do you think Rex is? From your I think he's like six four. Oh, I think he's taller than six four. He's like oh shit. Yeah, he's a he's a monster. Well, I'm um, sorry I missed out. There are some recurring faces that we we met at the forum. Uh, our guy Akil bailed on us though. I'm a little bummed. Akil was supposed to come, and then he got a smart guy job and had to do smart guy things, so he didn't show up. No one, no one, everyone that, that didn't go to any of these events were like, I don't really care what you guys are talking about, but I appreciate you all listening. What, guess what? My podcast. I'm going to talk about whatever the hell I want to. <laughs> all right. So this week for Ranger News, actually, we're going to talk about uh, supposedly, and these be rumors, Greg, mm. but uh, there's a chance that Pavel Bushnevich will be benched for the game on Tuesday night, or which is today when you're listening to this. Uh, it feels like we're back in the AV era already. Tell me why I should be freaking out. You should or should not be freaking out? Should not. Um, 
we talk about, we should say we have two guests today. Uh, our dear friends, we do. Mike Murphy and Shannon Goldman join us once again on the podcast to talk about their fabulous new website behind the benches. And also we touch on some Ranger topics, as you can imagine, because they're two writers that cover the Rangers pretty extensively. Uh, why you should not be freaking out about Pavel Buchnevich? Because it's a new age, man. The, this, there's reasons why Buchnevich is getting benched. Um, he had, for starters, he just hasn't been playing well. And I, I, it is unfair to say he's not the only person that's been playing, playing poorly. Because You made the point before I did. Quite honestly, just about everyone not named Howden has played. And Zuccarello's played well as well. But almost every forward has struggled for periods of time this season. I guess Jesper Hayes, Foss Kreider, is also. Nika, all invisible. Yeah, I guess, I guess Jesper is uh, immune from this criticism. But if, you're t- if we're talking three of 12 forwards, uh, that's not a great percentage. No, anyway, you I just don't expect anything from Jesper Fast. Like, well, I, you know, I'm not expecting yeah, him to come out really and light the world on fire. So. That's the thing. He's been really good this year. I don't know what to tell you on that one. He's been one of the better players in hockey this year somehow. He's, he's been that's fantastic. why he's on the top six. Um, so Pooch just hasn't been good, right? And if the argument is, well, no one's been good, okay. But you also – individual struggles are individual struggles. Booch's struggles have nothing to do – individually with Kreider's struggles, right? They're all relative. So if we're if we were expecting a B to B plus level performance from Pavel Buchnevich out of the gate and he's graded out to a C or C minus, it doesn't matter that Ryan Spooner, a guy we expected to play B minus C plus, is playing D plus hockey. Like you're you're a little bit more disappointed. It's when you're the prize child in the family and you're bringing home C's, your parents are going to be a little bit more angry at you than if your crackhead sister, who was you were wishing for C's, is bringing home D's, who but brought you to CAC three times, <laughs> she's going to get a lot of plug on this podcast. Um, she is. Yeah, like I, I will use that example actually. Right, my my middle sister is just a burnout. So my parents were happy that she was graduating. They weren't totally. Con- they, of course, they were mad that she was getting low grades, but they also weren't expecting high grades for her. For me, my parents were expecting higher grades. So when I brought a low grade home, they'd be angrier. And it doesn't matter if that low grade that I brought home is the average grade they were expecting from my sister. They held me to a higher standard. So in that sense, we are holding Buchnevich to the same higher standard. We needed him to be better this year because he's on the last year of an entry-level contract. This was supposed to be – and again, it's been five games. This isn't a a condemnation of the season. and. I think we all need to pump the brakes here. It, it, it's probably a one-game deal. If it's even a one-game deal, he might end up playing tomorrow night. We just need to, we need to calm down. He's struggling. And we've already seen Neil Pionk take a seat. Tony D'Angelo has taken a seat. Vlad Nemesnikov has taken a seat. Letary has taken a seat. Quinn doesn't really – Shattenkirk has taken a seat. Quinn doesn't care who you are. If you're not playing well, you're going to take a seat. So I'm not overly worried that Pavel Buchnevich – when he's struggling, is taking a seat for a game. My big fear, and this goes back to what we were saying in the offseason, it would be a lot easier to digest if it wasn't Cody McLeod going in the lineup for him. I want to just tell you that I rolled my eyes so hard when you were telling that uh, story about your sister. Just because it was such a good point, it made me be like, he's probably right. Because the story was so reflective and accurate as to what was happening with the Rangers, but somehow about your middle sister. So <laughs> congratulations on making another good point. I hate you for that. I'm here um, for it. I, I would, 
I would it would be so much better if it wasn't Cody McLeod because Cody McLeod is nothing to this team in the future. He won't be on it next year. He shouldn't be on it now. So the right. fact that I have to watch him play hockey is it's it's hurting me. It's hurting my life. That shouldn't be the case. Like right. I understand that Pavel Buchnevich is this higher. It, it should be held to a higher standard. And I know there was the rumor he said, I, I don't want to play left wing because he was playing off wing in practice. Um, and I'm sure that Quinn probably didn't take that well. Who knows? So he's probably sitting him to try and get him motivated. But if it's more than one game, if in three games from now, Booch sits again, then I have a problem. Right. If this and is I, a one-game deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a different conversation if we're talking multiple games here. But we, we have, we've had this conversation before, and it goes back to the point of sometimes – the general manager needs to take the toys away, right? And we used this example for Tanner Glass, and we used it last year for Cody McLeod. I don't think that David Quinn wants to play Cody McLeod. The reason why David Quinn is making this lineup change is not because he wants Cody McLeod in the lineup. It's clearly he's trying to light a fire under Pavel Buchnevich. And I say clearly because you read the things uh, Quinn says in his post-practice press conference about how effort needs to be there all the time. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're, if he gets the vibe that you're not giving it everything you've got at all times, he's going to send you a message and take you back. So it's, it's not like Quinn is standing up at the podium and saying, I feel like this team is missing something. And I think Cody McLeod is that something he's never said that. So my problem with the whole move goes actually not David Quinn. I like what Quinn is doing. It 100% goes to Jeff Gordon. If the 13th forward slot was, was in Quinn's mind going to be the spot in the lineup where if someone's underperforming, he wants to plug and play this guy and add a little something different to the lineup. That's not Cody McLeod. Cody McLeod is the guy that you're supposed to only play if a guy gets the flu on the day of the game. But if the 13th forward spot is actually going to be a guy who is a super utility player who might play something like 40, 50 games this year, giving various guys breaks at different point in the season, that needs to be when healthy, Matt Bolesky or Bunievez, and it still might be. Those guys are still both rehabbing injuries. Um, On actually, back. Uh, funny, funny story for you, Ryan. After the game, yeah. our friend Dan LaRose, who put together the meetup, and our friend Randy Tesser, who's a huge help to us and when we're trying to do audio stuff on this podcast, Got us. Walk, we're walking down 31st Street to go to a bar to get a drink after the game. Boone Nieves walks right in front of us, and we're like, uh, hey, Boo. And that, that was it. We didn't have a long conversation with him. It was just we were the only three people in all of New York that recognized Boone Nieves, I think. And we <laughs> literally, literally. And he was like, how the fuck do you guys recognize me, you nerds? Um, <laughs> yeah, so my problem is McLeod's presence on the roster being the, the, the whipping, right? You, you, you'd rather have someone that can actually play hockey if Buchnevich is coming out of the lineup. And I think Boo and Bolesky could be that guy. It's going to be a real test if they will be that guy when they're healthy and McLeod's off this team. If I don't think the reaction would be as strongly if it wasn't Cody McLeod going into the lineup. Because full stop, again, going back to the original point, Pavel Buchnevich hasn't played well this year. It's not like Pavel Buchnevich has been lighting it up and he's getting benched. Well, he's, he's had some goals and some, some assists, you know. He's, had a he's goal. been there. He's had a goal. A goal, single goal in five games. Yeah, it's, again, it's five games. So I'm, uh, this isn't like, oh, the Pelvich never is terrible. The Rangers should have traded him when his value was high. No, it's not that. It's just Quinn obviously uses playing time as a reward, not a given. 
And right I, I now, don't, I don't hate that. Like, right. really, I don't hate it. Isn't this what it's we just, wanted? Isn't this what we wanted? If a player wasn't playing well, we wanted a coach that had the balls to sit him. This is what we wanted. We called for it. We we would yell and scream at Elaine Vino because he would just stick with guys that aren't playing well. Pavel Buchnevich, by all accounts, is not playing well. So he's taking a seat for a game. Kevin Shattenkirk wasn't playing well. So he took a seat for the equivalent of almost a game and a half. And he this did respond a little bit. So this is what we wanted. Yeah, I guess so. I, I'm just, I guess I'm just scarred and I, I am a little bit protective of my Russian boyfriend. I guess you would understand that. I, I know it, it's hard to be a, it's hard to be a fan sometime. And I've just, I've been so angry about just getting benched so many times before that I got flashbacks and triggered immediately as soon as I read it, where I was like, I can't believe this is happening already. But right. you make I, a good point where where Shaddy is another person that's already been benched. I, know, I, got another question for, I got another question for you, Ryan, because this is a realization yeah. I had today. And it, I only think this way in hockey. I, I'm a, Obviously, you and I are big baseball fans, and we're pretty big basketball okay. fans as well. Why yeah. is it with hockey that we expect players to play every game when they're healthy? Hmm. Like in, in baseball, if – if Ahmed Rosario is struggling for a couple games and Mickey Calloway sits him, people aren't freaking out being like, well, what, what the hell's going on here? No, it, it, Ahmed's getting a break. If, if Kevin Knox doesn't play all 82 games this year for the Knicks because Fizdale says he needs a break, he's getting overworked, he's a rookie, are you freaking out? Or are you like, that's probably good coaching? No, I'm probably saying that's good coaching. Steph Curry doesn't play 82 games. Kevin Durant doesn't play 82 games. LeBron Tim James Duncan didn't play these games, games for the last like six years of his career. So Tim Duncan's also a robot. Yeah, well, like, LeBron's Duncan, a robot. He plays eighty-two games. So right, like coaches in the NBA pick and choose what games they sit their guys, and it's usually like back-to-backs and stuff like that. But it's rare to get a guy to play eighty-two games, thirty minutes a night. Why is it we're so obsessed with hockey players having played eighty-two games? Why can't a hockey player get a break if they're struggling? I think it's that it's that toughness culture that we still have in hockey. That's like, you want to be out there no matter what. And sure, these guys I'm, take pride I'm in playing the game. I'm sure if it was up to every baseball player, they'd play 162. And if it was up to every basketball player, they'd play 82. But we understand when those guys get a night off. We accept it. it we don't just accept it. We expect it at certain points in the season. Why don't we have that same rationale? I, again, it's, it's early in the season, right? So it's, it's a little odd to see it in game six. But what if this was game mm-hmm. 61 and Booch lo- was looking gassed and struggling like he's struggling right now and he got benched? Would we still be like, what the fuck? We kind of still would be, right? Why are we? Why are we yeah, I would, still, I would still be a little pissed off, to be honest. Why are we programmed like this? Why, why, why is it weird for a hockey player to get a night off? It's just the culture that it's built around where, where as in baseball and, and basketball, I guess – I understand it a little more, mostly, and I, I can't, who am I? I'm, I'm some, some random, so, so somewhat short, not totally short person from Long Island, but these, the guys in basketball, those guys that get a night off, they're playing like 35 minutes. Some of these guys are playing like what? What boots playing? Like 18? And the stress is totally we're, different. We're comparing you, you what, I mean, basketball players, you're basically asking them to run, right? So it's an endurance. It, Skating is a completely different thing, and basketball players aren't exactly taking hits. Like Pavel Buchnevich yeah, is a lot of right. boards. You can't even compare uh, them. The thing is, no. I, I, you make a good point. 
Like I just where I, I think I think part of it not not to blame us, but I think part of it is on us because we're just we're we're conditioned to say Pavel Buchnevich is a good hockey player who should be playing 82 games a season. When really we should be saying Pavel Buchnevich is a young hockey player. He should be playing at the highest of his ability as much as he can. And David Quinn is telling us in game six of this season, it is not possible for me to get 100% from Pavel Buchnevich, either in effort or in what he wants to do in his system. So I'm taking him out for a game. I'm with you that if this is more than a one game thing, it's a different conversation we're having. We're having. If it's a one game thing though, I think we need to change our calibrations upstairs. I don't think it's the end of the world for a player to sit for a game. I do like that he's going to light a fire under his ass. And who am I to say this? But Booch looks like he needs one. Like he, but he also like I'm I'm becoming like psychologist from from the side here. Like that's a guy who has obviously been hurt in the past by his coaches, and he needs the confidence and he needs to be you know trusted and and have that instilled. But also at this point, he kind of needs to earn it. And if that's the case, Quinn's saying, hey, listen, I'll never sit you again, but you got to earn it. And right. I, I don't hate that, but Quinn is doing some things that, you know, I do find a little questionable. This might not be one of them. I think the, the things we need to, and I think we're going to pinpoint on Quinn as the season goes along. I don't think it, it it's not so much that Booch is sitting. And I, won't, I don't even blame Quinn for McLeod being the guy that has to go into the lineup. That's the roster Jeff Gordon gave him. So you're just going to have to do what you got to do with the, with the names on the paper. And you and I both don't want to see an 11 forward night again. So I can't believe I'm saying this. I'd rather have Cody McLeod be the 12th forward than play with seven defensemen. Everything just seemed out of whack when they did 11 and seven. It didn't felt, it didn't feel right. And it sure didn't look right on the score sheet. Um, the thing, if there's going to be a thing that we criticize David Quinn for early in the season, their names are Adam McQuaid and Mark Stahl. That those are the things you can pinpoint as what the fuck is going on there. Um, yeah, because Pionk, Pionk and D'Angelo should be playing every game. It's not even a question. At least, at least one of them, right? If if you want to do the whole, I'm gonna pit Pionk and D'Angelo against each other, and one of these guys needs to earn their spot every night in the lineup. That's fine. I could actually get behind that. That's that's a way to make sure these rookies understand that there's a battle to be had not just against the uh, opponent, but for your own NHL career. That, that's fine by me. But I don't know, how, how much of the Oilers game did you watch? Uh, very little, to be honest with you. I watched uh, the second period from my phone. Uh, Adam McQuaid was, without question, the worst Ranger on the ice. He, is, he, was, a, he was a lost puppy in front of the crease on the Nugent Hopkins goal that tied the game at one. He took... At least one bad penalty at the end, I think, of the second period. Um, it wasn't the penalty that set up the Connor McDavid power play, but it was a bad penalty in its own right. Um, he, he, for lack of a better term, he was terrible on Saturday. And if, if we're living in a world where we're holding players accountable for their performance, like Pavel Buchnevich, Adam McQuaid and Mark Stahl have to play under the same set of rules. So we know Pionk is coming back in the lineup. I have a hard time believing anyone but Adam McQuaid, and this includes Mark Stahl. I have a hard time believing that anyone but Adam McQuaid is coming out of the lineup. Well, Mark uh, Stahl got a primary assist, my man. It was an accident. I, I know you did. Have you seen the goal yet? 
I did, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, Mark, Stahl, Mark Stahl was shooting on net, and it hit off someone's skate, and it just so happened to go right to Mika Zibanejad. No, I saw, I saw, I got an update. It was like Smith Stahl, uh, Zibanejad. I was like, oh my god, Smith and Stahl, this is incredible. And I watched, I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, <laughs> it was totally crazy. I don't know what Mark Stahl was shooting at, but he was shooting at the goal or trying to, and it, it somehow got to Mika Zibanejad, who buried it. Um, yeah, so. yeah, no, McQuaid. There's no reason to play McQuaid tomorrow night or tonight, whatever day you're listening to this. He he was definitely definitely tonight. He uh he he was terrible. I really don't think there's a nice way to sugarcoat it. He was he was just flat out bad. And it's even more mystifying that he was so bad, considering how good Brady Shea has been this year. He's been playing all year with Brady Shea. Brady Shea's been fantastic, and Adam McQuaid has literally been a black hole. You know what? You know what's actually crazy to me though. We're kind of in all these games. Are we not? I, I, there's a reason we're in all these games. His name is Henrik Lundqvist. Hmm, yeah, I mean, it's the answer. But the, the, the games have been, you know, I, I did, like I said, I, I'll admit, I know I, I host a podcast about the Rangers. I was in Europe, and I only got to watch a little bit of the, the Oilers game. I did watch, like, the full, like, 12-minute recap of the Sharks and then a little bit more highlights and went a little more in-depth than that. But I got like, the games are fun. This team's fun. And I'm having a good time. I'm still honeymooning a little bit where I'm going to enjoy watching all the games. I still like watching the kids. I still expect a lot from Heedle going forward. Howden is fun. Howden's goal between the legs really got me going, like in a lot of ways. And it, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I know we're going to lose. But yeah. I'm, I, I might be having the best time I've had with the Ranger team in two years. It, it could be. Um, I will say of the five games the Rangers have played this year, I, I'm yet to see one where I thought the Rangers deserved the win. Um, no, I don't think they deserve to win any, but I will say the refs have not been kind. The Rangers, right. What's and I, I hate being, oh, the refs are screwing us. Like there were in the Oilers game alone, there were at least three calls where the calls didn't just go against the Rangers. They just weren't made. Um, no, yeah, I saw the goalie, Kevin, the goalie calls. That was ridiculous. Well, Kevin Hayes got tackled, uh, and they didn't <laughs> make a call. Uh, Matt, and then with under two minutes to go, in a span of five seconds, you could have called a cross check that was delivered to Matt Zuccarello. It would have been kind of soft, but they had made softer calls in that game. But it didn't even matter if, if you didn't want to call that. Five seconds later, the Oilers put the puck out of play in their own zone, which should have been a delay of game, and. They didn't call it. So it's I, there's nothing you can do in, in that regard. If the refs aren't going to call it, there's nothing you can do. Um, at the same time, just because the Rangers had a bad penalty called against them, that doesn't mean they were like forced under gunpoint to surrender a goal to Connor McDavid on the power play. You could still prevent the goal from happening. The goal didn't happen because of the penalty. Like, yes, they're not going to be on the power play in that regards, but – I'm a believer of, fine, you had the shit call against you. You can still prevent the goal from happening. And the Rangers didn't do it. Um, really fun to see Connor McDavid in person, though, by the way. Kind of yeah, I was actually going to ask you that as my next question. Like, what was that experience? Like, I, just, I've, just, I've only seen LeBron James once, and it was like, what the fuck? That guy isn't real? Just, um, is, so, it, is it similar with Connor? He's so fucking noticeable on the ice. Like, it, I wasn't even going out of my way to look for him. It just, every time I looked... Anytime the Oilers were doing something fun, it was 97 driven. Um, there, was, there was one rush. He was coming down the ice. God bless Mark Stahl. Um, McDavid, like, farted past him. 
it was, it was almost like Mark Stahl didn't need to be on the ice. Uh, and then Hank huh. did things and stopped it. But yeah, Mc, McDavid, dude, uh, worth the price of admission, 100%. If the Rangers, if I'm going to go see a Ranger game and the Rangers aren't going to win, McDavid had the primary assist and a goal. So I got everything I wanted out of that game if the Rangers weren't going to win. I'm very happy about it. He's fucking they good. Were not. The, that team is, it's a shame that he doesn't have a better team around him. It's, it's really, it's going to haunt him for years to come. It's, it's mystified. It's, it, you know, it's exactly what the Los Angeles Angels have failed to do around Mike Trout. It's 100% a one-to-one comparison. I can't disagree with you. And I'm a Mike Trout. I'm as big as a Mike Trout fan as they come. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get to our interview? Yeah, I do. I, I don't know if you saw, I made a comparison um, going into Saturday that I think you would like that I'm sure most people who are big hockey fans, but not baseball fans would, would not have understood. Uh, okay. It's about Tony D'Angelo and about how you and I want him in the lineup every night. But it seems like there, there are people smarter than us, like Nick Mercadante, who I, I, I like reading his stuff. I think he's a very well-versed hockey um, insider, not like not insider, mm-hmm. but he, he's, he's on the up and up. He's a very smart guy. And anytime Tony D'Angelo's on the ice, he is pretty adamant that Tony D'Angelo can't fucking play defense. He just can't do it. Like, he lacks the ability to play even replacement-level NHL defense. Um, And he watches the game differently than I do. So he's seeing something that I'm clearly not seeing. So it got got me thinking. Do you think Tony D'Angelo is just the Blake Swihart of the NHL? Mm, okay, so that's a really good comparison because my first thought was Andujar, but Andujar is way too good. Right. Andujar, Andujar, can't play- Andujar, Andujar is fixable, right? All you have to do is take him away from third base. Yeah, once he's a first baseman, which Luke Voigt has held down, um, once he's like a DH or maybe you put him in the outfield or something, like he'll be serviceable. He can't play third base. That's right. just not a thing. But so, Blake Swihart's going to check a lot of boxes in this comparison. I want you to go through them. So, all right, let's go through them. So, he can't catch, and Tony well, D'Angelo first, can't. First, first and foremost, coming up through the system like a can't-miss prospect, right? Like a guy that the the Red Sox would refuse to include in trades because he was a top ten prospect, like him. at some point in time, yes. Right, Tony. He doesn't. He he didn't have the the uh, locker room issues that Tony D'Angelo had, which is the only reason why D'Angelo was getting passed around. But D'Angelo was supposed to be a top 10 talent that fell out of the top 10 because for lack of a better term, he's a fucking asshole. So we're talking top 10 talent as a prospect for both these guys, but Swihart can't catch. <laughs> no, uh, nor play defense really play, anywhere. D'Angelo can't play defense. Yeah. Um, we, but the bat keep, sticks a little bit. Right, you keep telling yourself, like, all Blake Swihart needs is an extended look, and we're all going to finally understand, like, this is a guy. This is a guy that yeah, this, just needs his opportunity. Are we at that point with Tony That's D'Angelo? it. Why are, we, why are we seeing that right now? I mean, the, the Red Sox are playing a little bit. That, their team is way too good to even try to sniff the lineup most nights. Right, but, but like, say, say the Red Sox included him in a trade to the Royals for Salvador Perez or something, right? And sure. all of a sudden, the Royals aren't giving Swihart a look. Would we say the Royals yeah. are fucking this up? Or would we finally say, maybe there's something here with Swihart that we're just not seeing? 
I think if you trade for if you trade for that guy, and this is actually a really good comparison, if you ended up doing that trade and you're not giving him at least a one season shot of a real deep look, you've done you failed. You failed as an organization. So are the in your mind, the Rangers are failing with Tony D'Angelo. How could they not be? He was a big part of their first quote unquote rebuilding trade. He's got two points. He's staying in the box. Yeah, he can't play defense. But how is the kid gonna fucking learn unless well, you're playing him at the NHL level? Well, let's let's. How about this? Let's change our let's change our entire viewpoint of that trade. What if we just say the only thing the Rangers wanted in that trade was the seventh pick, and they brought D'Angelo in as a complete flyer? They didn't really want D'Angelo, but the Coyotes said, in order for us to do this trade, we need to move D'Angelo. We're sending him to you in this deal. I think the Rangers do that trade with or without D'Angelo. So I don't I, think I so. Think, I think we need to change the the. I think we need to change the dialogue about that trade a little bit. That trade was for the seventh overall pick, and then they got they got Tony D'Angelo. No, see, for me, I think it was to get out of the no move contract with Stepan. I think that's really what it was. And I Tony think that was, was. I I think that's the second most important part of the trade. I don't think the Rangers trade Stepan unless they're getting the seventh overall pick back. <sighs> I know they. I, I know they say Leith was their guy. I just, I still don't believe them. That, that that's I. You don't have to be, forget Leith. Leith is not a part of this trade. The seventh overall pick is the part of the trade. That's the okay. only thing the Rangers acquired. And then Tony D'Angelo was the throw-in that they were like, okay, fine. Tony Tony D'Angelo was like the when the Mets traded for Roberto Hernandez in two thousand and six because they needed a reliever. They also got Oliver Perez. The Mets didn't make that deal to get Oliver Perez. It just so happened yeah, that Oliver also Perez won. turned out fucking great for you until it wasn't. So I'm just saying, like, and no, I, you're I right. Think, I think part of it with we both agree that D'Angelo needs to be getting an extended look. This is the year to figure it out. There's no reason to be playing from what we've seen from Adam McQuaid in five games. There's zero reason to be playing him, especially over D'Angelo and Pion. At the same time, Freddie Clayson's looked good in his two games, man. I don't know how you take him out of the lineup either which brings you to Stahl, and there's no reason to be playing Mark Stahl either, but that's going to be something we just keep saying day after day after day. Um, Clayson, Pianca, D'Angelo have all proven that the three of them should somehow be in this lineup on every, every night, but if you want to keep flip-flopping Pianca and D'Angelo, go, go for it. I don't, that doesn't really bother me. At the same time, we, I, just, I think we need to change the narrative about that trade, man. I think we need to stop saying that Tony D'Angelo was a key part of the Derek Stepan trade. When I think the only key part of the two key parts of the Derek Stepan trade were one, seventh overall draft pick, and two, yeah. trading Stepan before his contract locked in. I think those are the only two things the Rangers cared about. If Jeff Gordon really cared about Tony D'Angelo, he'd be playing. Because Gordon McLeod's okay. fucking here. Uh, I want to change the narrative from that narrative now. Yes, you may be right in that case, but now you have this chip that you have the chance to play that's in front of you that could be a part of the future of your team and could provide an offensive boost to your defensive core and your or your line or whatever fucking that guy on Reddit wants to yell at me about. Um, and you're just not playing it for a guy that you traded for who's making $2.5 million, who was a third liner on Boston, who's not, gonna, who's not playing well at all. So now you're losing out on the asset of what it could be with Tony D'Angelo. 
I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. The McQuaid trade looks more and more confusing every game that goes by because he just looks terrible. Like, he what, why did we do that? I don't like, they, was they he like a veteran leader? I don't know. Asset. They did it to try and get another asset later. But by the way McQuaid has played, you're not going to get another asset for him. At best, you'll get your fourth round pick back. At best. Which yeah, was our criti- this was our criticism at the time of the deal, right? We were saying the Rangers yeah. were trading a early fourth round pick for a late third round pick. And what's the point of that if it means taking ice time away from Neil Pionk and Tony D'Angelo? I think you and I had that exact conversation when the trade happened. Actually, that was the exact conversation, if I do remember. And this, this, is, the, this is the life we live in now, where Pionk got benched for two games, albeit because he struggled. Again, it's, it's not like Neil Pionk was tearing it up and didn't deserve a benching. Um, it's just that McQuaid and Stahl haven't been good. And, and if they're going to stay in the lineup for reasons that involve Stahl leadership and McQuaid building trade um, value, it, it, it just doesn't make – it's not worth it. The value that McQuaid could build by playing well even for a 10-game stretch, it's not worth not figuring out what you got in Pionk and D'Angelo. I'm not, I'm not advocating for sitting Tony D'Angelo. I'm just saying – Sitting Tony D'Angelo is not the end of the world. It's that he's sitting because McQuaid and Stahl have to keep playing. That, that's my problem. Just that's like where we are. Isn't, this, the, and just to bring this full circle before we get to our interview, it's just like my problem isn't the fact that Pavel Buchnevich is benched for a game. It's that when Pavel Buchnevich gets benched, Cody McLeod is getting in the lineup. It, it's, it's the guys that are getting ice time to send the young kids a message are guys you don't want to be sending the message with. You don't want to be telling Powell Buchnevich, like, you're not good enough, so Cody McLeod playing in front of you. That, that's a terrible message to send. Yeah, that makes me feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. so it's not if, a good message at all. If, if McLeod wasn't here, if McQuaid wasn't here, if Mark Stahl wasn't here, the narrative of this podcast, I don't think we'd be very negative at all. Problem is... No, I think we'd probably be here. fluffing Quinn a little bit. I don't, I don't think so, because I, I, I understand everything Quinn's doing. I, I get it. There, there's no guarantee that a rookie. No fluffing, like we would giving, we'd, we'd be like, hey. This oh, we'd is be fluffing him. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't hear you. I didn't. Hear yeah, you. yeah, we'd be, we'd be fluffing. The, the part of, and I'll wrap on this note. I just think we should be angry at Jeff Gordon for setting the dominoes up like this. Then we should be for how David Quinn has knocked the dominoes over. That that's basically part me, the point. Hard for me to disagree with you. Let's go over to our interview. With Shana and Mike, uh, they created a great website called Behind the Benches, and their Twitter is Bench Bosses. They're going to talk about that. We're going to talk through some Ranger things, and we're going to come back, do like a few minutes of nonsense, and then get out of here. All right, here we go. Transition. We are back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Mike and Shana here with us, both the recurring guests of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. You guys just released a brand-new spanking website called Behind the Benches, which is one of the reasons we're bringing you on today. I don't know who we should start with, but one of you, uh, take, take me where you got the inspiration for this website, and, uh, and what is the big purpose behind it? Dana, you do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Dana. <laughs> I'll Shana, that. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. So we, we started this because we did a mailbag, and we were asked about coaches we wanted to replace Vigneault, and we knew some options like college head coaches, European coaches, and all that, but to really know about like the assistant coaches around the league and uh, what they do, how long they've been there, maybe which are prime for a head coaching role. 
is a pain in the ass to find. So Mike thought, why don't we find it ourselves? And so we did it together. And we researched everywhere we could. We, we looked on websites like HockeyDB, Elite Prospects. We went through news articles from each city to try to find out information about their hire date, their fire date, what they did. And we reached out to a bunch of writers from those teams, too, to find everything out. And now we have it. That's, first of all, incredible. Second of all, the fact that you guys not just came up with this idea, but followed through on it deserves uh, credit all in of itself. Now, talk, talk to me like I'm five, because that, that's how old I am sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's Did true. you guys go as deep as you break it down as which coaches have an emphasis on defense, which coaches have an emphasis on offense, special team coaches? That, is, it, is it that encompassing? Mike, your turn. God damn it. Uh, yeah, that, that was really the the big part of this. Wait, was... hold on, Mike. Mike, were you going to cover this podcast and just hope not to speak? Like, okay, Shana, you just take that it. Was my, that was my big plan. <laughs> it fell through in a hurry. Like a, okay. like a boat made out of, you know, wood with holes in it. Termite wood. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the idea boat, was... Yeah, that boat sink. Yeah, not a good... <laughs> Not great seafaring insects, as it turns out. Uh, yeah, it was hmm. the idea was to have as much information as we could, and like looking at coaching staffs and really trying to identify, you know, what certain coaches did. Because talking about Quinn, and you know, as we were moving along, you know, at first we were thinking of doing something along the lines of like a like a hockeyfights.com sort of model, where we would have polls for users, where like, is this coach good with younger players? Yes or no. Um, and then we felt like, ah, you know, it's super subjective that way. Right. Um, and we felt a lot better about having a resource that members of the media and fans can use. And we asked ourselves like, well, what can we do that fits that criteria? And we ended up just saying, all right, well, who's in charge of the power play and who's in charge of the penalty kill and finding out what every assistant coach does and identifying who the video coach is, the eye in the sky coach. And that was often like, Getting into the nitty gritty of it was uh, trying to figure out, you know, what guys do is not is not as easy as one would like uh, to think it might be. And we went back to the 2010-2011 season to have, you know, kind of a to start building that history. And so we have that for every team in the NHL, as well as the CWHL and NWHL, the Professional Women's League leagues in North America. And recently we have started to slowly put the bricks down and start building uh, our AHL database too, but that's going to take a little while, I think. What's so the... um, oh, when you're not doing this, what do you do? <laughs> Try to sleep. Sleep is good. Okay. We complain oh, a right. lot about certain teams. Like uh, when, when we'd be done, Mike had uh, the luxury of doing Edmonton and I had Buffalo. Oh my God. The and, Oilers killed yeah. me. Yeah, And the Sabres the amount of changes between head assistant and associate coaches was crazy. We were counting like how many rows it would take up in the spreadsheet. So we'd finish it and then we'd complain nonstop about it and then, you know, carry on. Yeah. And it's fun. Cause like, you know, wherever Lou Lamorello is, it's everything is clandestine. You know, it's like it's, everything's top secret. No one can know what the hell anyone does. Everyone has to shave their beard. No one can have long hair or a fun number. And, uh, that was a weird, like, oh, uh, the Islanders have new coaches. This should be easy. It's, you know, it's, it's the present. And beat writers should be able to find this stuff out. And 
it took a lot of doing to figure out what the Islanders assistant coaches do because, you know, just Lou is so kind of old school. And there was a lot of little, a lot of little things like that, that, that popped up and a lot of weird things like, oh, you know, the Oilers had, you know, Craig McTavish coach the team for three days or something like that, you know, before they found a, you know, alternative the one season where they just had a carousel of coaches and, you know, it's, it's like in the past, someone heard that we would want to build a site like this and they just started to think of every way they could to kind of screw up our very organized spreadsheet, but it got done somehow. We got through it and lost speaking, a little bit of sanity, but uh, uh, speaking of Lamorello too, uh, New Jersey, it, it was literally like, let me stick my hand in this pool of coaches that I've created, like Jacques Omer and John McLean and uh, I think Larry Robinson. And take that same pool and mix it up every single year. And then they're going to leave and come back and leave and come back. And we're looking for specific hire and fire dates for certain seasons. And you're finding information from the wrong years that they left and came back or uh, teams that decided to change the roles of their assistants mid-year, I think. Maybe the weirdest was Ottawa. They hired up everyone with Guy Boucher. Everyone had jobs. And then last year, midseason, it didn't work. They changed it. And then this year, right before this year, they changed what all three assistants did again. And just chaos. And we had such organization before that. And then they threw everything off. Oh, you know, I you, if, you were, if I would have guessed, like, you, you would think Ottawa would be, you know, kind of a solid, competent team. No. Oh. <laughs> no, especially Turns out a little bit in disarray. Um, who would have? Who would have? Who would have thunk? What is what is one of the more interesting things you guys have uncovered so far? Is there one thing that stood out that you both went, "Huh, didn't know that" or "Didn't realize that"? Any anything that jumped off the page immediately besides the um, roles are made up and points don't count aspect of it? Hmm. Well, my thing was. Video coaches have really long tenures, and that was like, uh, in my head, I was like, job security to get into video coaching. Um, there was, you know, there are examples of guys who have been around since like the days of VHS that are still video coaches in the NHL, which is fun, um, especially because oftentimes some of the youngest hires for a coaching staff are video coaches. It's, you know, it's it's maybe we're trying to figure out a lot of you know, we have all this data now, right? But we're trying to figure out, like, what is the typical path to getting behind an NHL bench? And, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, you're a former player or you just happen to know the right guy or something along those lines. Because it's, uh, it's definitely a network. And, like, you know, when we heard, you know, trying to find assistant coaches for David Quinn and, you know, he's familiar with these guys. And, you know, even with Elaine Vigneault and, you know, he brought in his own guys and Tortorella. You know, everyone, all these coaches have like a network. And so when you're going across these teams, you just see this kind of migration of these similar names. And like, it, it would be really interesting to do like a, you know, like a web of, or something to see, you know, how coaches have worked together and where they overlapped. And when a coach got a head coaching gig, you know, did he bring on, you know, a former, you know, uh, you know collaborator? To be as you know, to be his assistant or associate coach, and there's a lot of definitely. It's a it's a weird little brotherhood um, coaching in a lot of ways. It's I would imagine you know like hockey players I know off the ice are really chummy. I think it's a similar thing with coaches. They all seem to know each other. 
Well, that's because they're all former hockey players. Yeah, a lot of it is, I'm sure, stems from that. And, like, when you're running in the same circles, you know, you kind of bump into each other. We didn't even know, Shane and I weren't aware that there was an NHL Coaches Association. Mm-hmm. Um, there is? Until yep. after, uh, yeah, there is. Huh. Um, until I after we... I every day. Yeah, after we published the site, and it was something like, oh, this would have been super good to know seven, eight months ago. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really kind of fascinating to, to stumble upon these little trends and stuff and you know we're really looking forward to looking at stuff like you know for goaltending coaches who are some of the you know kind of the disciples of these goaltending coaches you know some of the best goalies in the world and you know as guys who follow the rangers you know we all know you know about benoit Lair and how important he's been in you know looking across the league looking at the success that auntie ranta's had and you know cam talbot you know didn't have a great year last year but Obviously, you know, that Henrik Lundqvist guy is pretty good. But it is fun, you know, kind of putting this all down and getting an idea of, oh, yeah, there is this whole thing. There's this whole other side to hockey that no one talks about. Because when we talk to coaches, this is something Shane and I talked about a lot. It's like, what went wrong? Why doesn't the power play work? You know, why did you bench this guy, that guy, as opposed to, you know, kind of this bigger picture stuff. And I feel like we can kind of start steering stuff in that direction with uh, the research we've done. Has anyone talked too much now, Shana? You got to do all the talking for the rest of the time. I'll position this question for Shana just to give Mike a break because Lord knows he needs one now. Uh, is there anyone surprising that's reached out to you guys about the site? Like any anyone that really stands out? Not 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 the usual round of really smart hockey Twitter people that are really smart and always looking for this stuff, but anyone a little surprising slide into the DMs and be like. Uh, Hey guys, what's, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, what was pretty cool actually was, uh, for the CWHL for the Mark of Thunder, we had something that it was, a uh, a new coach was hired and replaced an old coach. We had the new coach, but we didn't take off the one that they had replaced because for some of this, we did start in the beginning of the summer. Well, no, we started this in what, March, April. So, you yeah. know, obviously from then till, now there were so many changes that you had to like keep going through and catching up on and uh they reached out and let us know so it was it was really cool to see that they were looking and um to get the followers that we did some are like video coaches for nhl teams and ahl teams and to hear from an assistant coach too it's a it's so exciting that they're genuinely interested in this and it, it seems like the response is the same nobody did this nobody cared to learn about coaches you talk about a coach, like Mike said, you know, when something goes wrong, they're hired, they're fired, they're on the hot seat. And until then, you really don't give a shit about them. And you don't take the time to learn what they Sheena, do. Sheena, language. My goodness. I am allowed to yeah, curse that... on here. I know that. I know. That's I, true. Just, I just wanted to be silly. <laughs> so I'm terrible <laughs> But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been cool to see how people are interested in this because that was one of our questions. Like, is this something fans genuinely want to know about? And they might. Like, if you're a Ranger fan, you want to know about Lindy Ruff, maybe. Maybe a little bit more about him. Like, what made him qualified to start doing defense in the first place and beforehand? And honestly, he didn't work on the defensive side of the game, really, in Dallas or even Buffalo. He had James Patrick doing that. And their numbers were pretty terrible. You know, it wasn't an area that they were that strong. And so to bring him in to do that side of the game, it's going to make you question that question that decision. So it's things like that that you know now from doing the research and 
looking into it. And if you're curious, you know, the answer is hopefully there for you on the site. Yeah. It, it's, How do you it's, plan it's, to maintain oh. something like this? Are you guys just going to keep working on it as it goes or is, is it going to, is it just, are you guys done now? What's the plan for the future? We are not done. So we're still done. maintaining it. Yeah. We had, my sister did um, all of the coding side of it. Um, so mm -hmm. we have her at our beck and call whenever we want. And she has no choice but to do it because I said so. And she's my younger sister. And uh, she showed me how to do it. So now when there's minor updates and stuff, I know how to do it without breaking the website, which is a big accomplishment. But otherwise, when we do. Pretty big deal. It, it is. Because there was a point, what was it, like a week ago that I almost broke it. But then we saved the day. Um, but we're, she's going to keep working with us. So when we have new pages and new leagues to expand it, and, uh, we, we ran a poll to see if anyone wanted NCAA or AHL first. So we're going to go with the AHL. Then we'll do, um, NCAA division one for men and women. And then we'd like to go into junior leagues like the OHL and the QMJHL. And eventually when, when we're gutsy enough, we'll head over and try to find out more about European coaches too. And just by learning about their backgrounds, it, it'll definitely be a source of information. So when a team's searching for a new coach or hires one, you have that information in front of you, and you don't have to constantly search for it like we just had to. So Are you going to have yeah, a really button on the website that just says finders fee? We should. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a good idea. I mean, just, I'm just an idea. We, that, have, so. we have a Patreon with three backers right now, so I'm not sure we can afford Whoa. it. And they get stickers and pins. Well, okay. Stickers and pins, folks. Start, starting to feel like copyright encroachment on the stickers part there, guys. Interesting. Oh, oh did you have the entire market cornered on stickers? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talked with Party Hardy, and we actually got the rights to all stickers ever created. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. We also got the happy birthday kid. song, in case you were wondering. Shana, we messed up. We should have done scratch and sniff stickers. Like, Oh, that would have been smart. Oh, man. Uh -huh. What each each sticker smells like a different coach? Is that what you would go yeah. with? Yeah, <laughs> like, different flavors of gum. Different like flavor. each one is gum. Faintly like a locker room is what I would have gone with. Just a little bit of this bo. One smells like jockstrap. Interesting. <laughs> I, I, I'm never like going back to that website long. again. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are. We're just giving you ideas for everything. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I gotta shut up. Why don't we talk about something more entertaining, like the Rangers? Just kidding. Your website's better than them. <laughs> um, so far, uh, the team started off one and four. I don't want to take all your points from another show you might be on tonight. Uh, what's been your general takeaway? I'll start with Mike because he loves talking. God damn it. Um, <laughs> I've been, there's something I've been kind of, I'm very curious about, especially Rangers Twitter, the kind of immediate honeymoon stage everyone is in with. Quinn, which is like, oh, look, the kids, he knows that it, kids made the team and all this, but he, you know, he, he's not infallible. Um, he has made a couple of, you know, decisions that I've called that I would call like suspects, you know, their only win was a game they definitely should not have won against the Sharks in overtime. Um, and, you know, it's, I know there's a lot of hubbub about the, you know, Adam McQuaid trade and all of that, but, you know, now that we're five games in the season, it's, that trade just looks so much worse because, you know, we've had Neil Pionk scratch twice and we've only had D'Angelo in for, what was it, one game, right? He's been in the lineup for one now? Or? Two. Uh, I believe it's two. Maybe two. 
Yeah. And, you know, he's he's one of the, you know, there's no Rangers defenseman with more than two points. And D'Angelo has two points in two games. But he's watching games from the press box. And, you know, there's a lot of little things that are driving me, you know, slowly insane. But I am really just enjoying the Brett Howden show. It's uh, it's something that I felt like we all needed is like, oh, look, I, I, one of the kids is doing good. He's doing a good thing. And that's <laughs> that's exciting. So I like that. Shana, say word. Um, let's see. The team is bad. We expected them to be bad. We all knew it. We all knew it from the time that they started selling off players. This is going to suck for a couple of years. And guess what? It sucks already. And we're looking at it like, well, we got, you know, our hopes up for a little bit. And it's like, oh, wait, nope, just kidding. And uh, we just got to get used to it for a while, but it will hopefully pay off. But um, Henrik Lundqvist is Henrik Lundqvist. And uh, everyone that said he isn't going to be Henrik Lundqvist because he ages is, uh, you know, wrong. Because, yes, he's aging, but he's also Henrik Lundqvist. So you can throw everything out that you already knew about goaltenders and aging because it's a little bit different when you have someone as talented as Lundqvist. And it's so rare in this era to have someone who's 36 years old and still playing these minutes and then playing them this well. You have Luongo and you have Lundqvist. So enjoy every second that you have of it as painful as it's going to be this season. And it probably will be. And these games might be an early indication of what's to come. Lundqvist is going to be busy, but uh, it'll give you a lot of time to watch and appreciate everything he does. Before Ryan jumps back in, uh, Mike, you mentioned Brett Howden. I'll open this up to the floor. We have talked about it, and I, we've talked about it with you guys, either on Twitter or on podcasts, about we, we knew the defense was going to be bad, and we knew Hank was going to be Hank, but I think everyone kind of thought the offense would be a little better. Is anyone shocked that the offense has been this poor this early? They're just, it's not just that they're not scoring, it's they're not creating a ton of opportunities to score. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised, but I also think it's important to keep in mind you know, it's it's five game sample size. Uh, right. Kevin Hayes has been playing like crap. Um, and, you know, we look at, you know, what VC's role has been. You know, Jesper Fast has been kind of deployed mostly as, you know, a top six winger. And, you know, it's Nemestikov. You know, we kind of thought, oh, maybe he's a guy in the third line. He's just, you know, he's just kind of slid to the, you know, the bottom of this lineup like a, a cheeseburger smacked against a wall. Just, you know, just a green. <laughs> The greasy streak is all that's left of him. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. It is weird when it's like, oh yeah, Jimmy VC scoring goals. That's that's a thing. Um, but I don't know. I'm not too discouraged. Like you know, Zabinajad in that last game. You know, he had two posts and he finally scored. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we still have guys who can do it. I just my only thing is, I'm kind of looking forward to the team struggling, but I want the guys who have trade value to to play well. Like I want Matt Zuccarello to have a great season because there are a lot of teams cough, cough, the Edmonton Oilers who desperately need a right winger. And, you know, the idea of getting not as much back as we should, because a bunch of guys are kind of underperforming is not something I want to think about. It's not a palatable idea, but I'm not too concerned. It's really early with that being said, you're right. The, you know, the offense doesn't look good. Uh, it's it's a little troubling that like Brett Howden is the most exciting player on the team right now, and you know I don't know what the hell's going to happen with this Buchnevich maybe being scratched or whatever the hell because oh my god he wasn't consistent in practice or I don't ah oh god 
I'm not I'm not sold on the David Quinn. I'll say it. I was saying it quietly like two weeks ago, and I'll say it a little louder now. I don't know. He looks like Benedict Cumberbatch's stunt double. That, that he helps. does look a little bit like him. Yeah, a little bit. He's definitely a more attractive Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Personal opinion. For sure. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch but, has like a little bit of a cat alien thing going on. Mm-hmm. And Which is like enticing that. because it's because it's weird. He's like a little yeah. bit off the board, so you're like, ooh, cool. But Quinn is just like, I'm a chiseled jawline version of that guy. Yeah, like if if Benedict Cumberbatch needed to hide from our purely human society because he was a cat person hybrid, he may have been growing up on the set of the Broadway show Cats, just like blending in. Uh, Quinn's kind of a cross between him and Mike Sullivan, though. If you think about it, especially yeah. once he opens his mouth, but like looks wise too. Cross the two together. You have a David Quinn. Something, something about Boston guys. They all just look the same. Uh, fun fact. Uh, Cats is the only play I've seen on Broadway, and I saw it three times. I didn't want to see it ever. Wait, yeah. hold on. And you I, never uh, wanted to see it? You saw it three times? You saw it three times? Yeah, I have a sister that I really fucking hate, and I think that's one of the reasons why I don't like her, because I had to go see Cats three times because of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. Yeah, only, only yeah, show so- I've seen on Broadway, and I'm pretty scarred from it. Yeah, Mike, I, I, I'm kind of with you that. to go back to the to the Ranger point here. Like, I'm not really loving the Quinn experience so far. I I, I was sat there hopeful. I I'm sat so there excited. thinking this guy is got really deep roots in in the Boston connections, uh, and would be able to play and get something out of the kids that's a little different. But I I've seen a lot of mental errors, the too many men in the ice, the the coaching ability, and it, the Buchnevich possible sitting. And so far, I'm I'm just not as impressed as I want to be. He is a first-year coach in the NHL, so maybe that's the case. But I, I hope it. I turn around, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hanging out with you in that crowd currently. I, yeah. Look, we're gonna we're, just a spoiler for everyone. We record podcasts backward, where we have the guests first, and then and I talk. So I'm gonna bring this up now, but it's gonna be talked about in depth later. I understand what everyone's saying about why is Booch getting scratched. We need to have an honest talk about Booch not being good so far this year. Oh my lord. Well, wait. I, 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 I hear what you're saying with Bush not being good, but like if you're gonna if you're gonna say it's Bush not being good, like let's be real, Kreider's underperforming, Zabanajad, Hayes, literally he is, everyone. He is not alone. I hand hand to God, Pavel Buchnevich is not the only one underperforming. But at the same time, yeah. But so why is it at the same time? I know, but why is it always the kid who gets benched? This is the same shit that drove us crazy with Vigneault. and but again, like, it's the do we, it's the baby that gets benched. Do we think that there's a chance? That he's saying there's a chance because like look with with Shattenkirk he wasn't saying yes or no and Shattenkirk was the one who was saying yes I am being scratched and Quinn was like well maybe and he's saying the same thing with Buchnevich too and it's also like we want to see what you do in practice he might have a chance to skate in the morning and then they're like all right you seem ready to go or he'll say something maybe they're just looking for something from him just some sort of reaction to be like no no I'm playing and I'm gonna kill it but like my whole thing with it would be is I'm not ter- I'm not gonna hate Quinn yet. And, like, start, I know, like, I see line combinations and I start talking shit immediately because, like, I can't help myself. But they're putting in a new system that they've never played. And it's obviously much different than Vigneault's because it's it's looking for more than just one rush shot that they've become so accustomed to. So I guess they, I mean, obviously not a guess. They need ch- a time to to adjust to it, to adopt, to learn it. And they didn't work on the power play much at all. I know with the new coach, a lot of the times focus is like, let's do five and five systems and the power play will come later. With Guy Boucher, if I remember right, they didn't do the power play for like at least a month into the season. So like, 
those are things that are going to have to be worked on. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be singling Booch out. And if they do, I'm hoping if he says, oh, Booch is out, it's like, here's your caveat. He's out for one game and that's it. And then he's come back in no matter what. And the next guy that's not performing, like the VC or maybe even the Spooner, is the next guy out. Has Hayes um, been better than Booch? Honestly? Well, I. Look, we've had the Evolving Wild guys on the podcast before, and I'm, I, there are plenty of systems that everyone can prescribe to in order to get val- value of players besides the eye test. But if you if you go off Evolving Wild's goals above yeah. replacement, which I think is one of the better advanced metrics out there that I, I really enjoy, Pavel Buchnevich not only has been the worst Ranger this year, he's been one of the 10 worst players to play multiple games this season. And... Yes, I hear five game sample size. It, yeah. it, exactly, it is a tiny sample size, and I'm and that that last game he was on his off yet. wing. Right, they're trying different things. They're they're not exact, and he's not playing with KZB every night. They're they're mixing and matching, and it is definitely not just Buchnevich. You guys are right. I asked the question. It's just about every forward not named Howden hasn't performed up to our expectations this year. I would say not named Heedle either. I'm going to throw him in there. Well, because Hedl has been yo-yoed a little bit, right? A little bit more yeah. than we would expect. Yeah, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it on him and be like, oh, you haven't been performing because you see him do the little things and you're like, all right, and now he's gonna get minutes if he doesn't do it now. Like, here's a game, get used to the wing. But after that, it's kind of like, all right, go. If he doesn't do it now, okay, then start. But until then, I'm gonna put him right under Howden. Yeah, but just going again, every forward has underperformed at the same time. We know Booch is our new savior. All praise to Hound. I'm just I'm just saying we know Booch is part of the long-term future. So you sit him to send a message. You can't really sit guys like Hayes, Spooner. I mean, they've already sat Nemestikov, but those are guys you're actively trying to trade. So by benching them and saying Why can't you? I think you can with Spooner. I don't think that you can with Hayes. It might hurt their value a little bit, right? If you're saying this guy isn't good enough to play in a rebuilding team tonight. How is he going to help your team? You kind of have to play through the rough patches with them. All right. But if we're taking that much consideration into, you know, the idea of that, then how, how important is it to say, ah, we can't really afford to bench Booch because, you know, he got jerked around a lot last season. It was in the media. He even said he was confused by that. And like, don't we also have to take into consideration that angle is like, oh yeah, you know, it, you can't just bench a guy and expect their, Take, Not take, to it, be take into consideration that angle, but also part of that story was Booch saying he was always confused why he was being taken out of the lineup or put on the fourth line. If David Quinn is sitting him down being like, Pavel, this is what we need from you. We don't think we're getting it. We're going to give you one night off and we're going to put you back in and we need you to get to this level. If David Quinn is explaining it to him, it's still different, right? It's not just AV being like, you know, I think he just needed a break and then not explaining it to anyone in the lineup why he needed a break. Yeah, but that's a lot of assumptions we're making about it is. You know, what's going to happen. And, and it's the problem I have here is we've had two games of D'Angelo. We've had two games of Pionk. We're about to have, you know, Booch scratched. And Mark Saul has been scratched. And, you know, none of these guys who are underperforming have been scratched. You know, they got freaking five alternate captains. And all of them, you know, that is like a scarlet letter, but a positive scarlet letter, not for adultery. It's for, <laughs> for uh, you know, a word that means immunity that starts with A that I can't think of. Um, 
Yeah, you I'm good at words. A leader, a space leader. That's what it stands for. There sure. You go. I don't know. You you don't you're, you're you're preaching to the choir about Mark Stahl. I've been very vocal about everything of all my Mark Stahl thoughts. And honestly, I'll be very vocal if McQuaid is not the defender taking a seat for Pionk because hand, hands down, he was the worst defender on the ice for the Rangers on Saturday. And yeah, we want to talk about even with these, even with the small sample sizes, McQuaid's numbers have been, have been got bad. off. Like, they're almost like and, uh, shouldn't it be a starting defender for any team. And yeah, the and all the while, yeah, he's number one paired with defender. Brady Shea, and Brady Shea's been great. But McQuaid has been a disaster, which only makes me wonder what would Shea be looking right now, look like right now if he had a halfway competent defensive partner. I'd love it's, to know. It's but crazy then, when you he's look been at that. Really doing great. Have you yeah, seen? Yeah, because Shea's his, his number is doing he's really not, if he, well. If he's not playing oh, yeah. with McQuaid, like how is it that someone's your partner and then it's like McQuaid's on the ice for like such a negative differential, and you have Shea who's kicking ass, and you're like. Aren't you guys paired together? Is it just like that big of a difference yeah, once you're pulled apart? It's, it's so weird to think about. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel like um we we've touched on everything here. <laughs> I like I said I I said I didn't want to steal any topics and I feel like we did a lot. Okay, we can well, talk about cats some more. No, I I have no interest. I really don't. That that show uh, that show did a number on me. You really need to go see a better show. I, like I the Wicked, Wicked, I saw three times, and that one was great. I think uh, I saw I like this Chippendale Rescue Rangers on ice. I mm. um, I've always, for some, I really wanted to see School of Rock when it was on Broadway, and I think I missed the boat on that one. You might have. I think it's still there, dude. Is it? I think so. Yeah, if someone wants to take me to School of Rock, I'm down. Do they still <laughs> do, like, Disney on ice? Because if they do, I feel like I'm going to skip Broadway and just go to that. Go see, like, Aladdin on ice again. I feel I like the Allies thing is a, is a tour deal now. Yeah. Or maybe it always was. It might have been. It was Christian Gucci though, as Jasmine, and it was amazing. Wow. I, I, uh, I brought cool. this up at the, uh, the Reddit meetup that you didn't come to, Ryan, because you were in Europe. Um, right. It bothers me that the Christmas Spectacular at Rockefeller goes beyond Christmas. Why? Yes, it bothers the shit out of me that that happens. Just ended like, on Christmas. Oh, if, it, if I'm seeing it December 29th, that's my fault. Like, I missed it. It's not Christmas I, anymore. I did not realize that's what you meant by beyond Christmas. I thought you were going to be, like, expanding to other holidays or something. And I was ready to start <laughs> yelling at you. I was going to be like, hang on a sec. No, it's like, on Valentine's right. Day this year. It's, it oh, starts, that's weird. It starts, like, November 18th, and it goes until January 1st. And I think that's too long. It should just stop on Christmas. Christmas it's, like, the most the overblown show. holiday, so... Well, I don't, I mean, I've never, I've never experienced it. It's, it's, it's like dragged out forever. That's because it's amazing. I mean, like it's all right, but uh, I don't know about that. Well, Greg, Greg, you love Christmas, right? That's, that's your I, thing. I do love Christmas because there are things I can do on Christmas by myself that I don't have to worry about anyone. I'm going to work and get double time for it. I'm going to get Chinese food. I'm going to go to a movie. It's a great day. I, I've never complained on Christmas. The thing I don't like about Christmas now is that. All of the uh, all of the believers have decided to go to movies on Christmas too. No, 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 no. You're supposed to stay home and do family time. Me and my people are supposed to go to the movies by ourselves and enjoy them. Stop taking my movie time away from me. I never went to the movies on Christmas ever. What? Done the Chinese food. Done the Chinese food, but usually we do leftovers of like we have like Christmas Eve. We do like bagels and all things like that. So like oh, that, just have like a nice. ton of it the next day. But never went to the movies. Rented movies. Oh, never you, actually. You gotta, went. 
I mean, you, you miss the prime going to the movies. There used to be a time where no one would be at the movies except back uh, in my day. I just remember I saw the the one year it pissed me off. I was in Savannah, Georgia, and I wanted to see Django on Christmas. And the movie was literally sold out. And I wanted to just stand up in front of the movie theater and be like, why are you all here? <laughs> I know none of you are Jewish. This is Savannah, Georgia. I am an army of one. I need you out of my movie theater. <laughs> this is my time. You're not wrong. I didn't want to I didn't right. want to interact with people on Christmas. I want to do the exact opposite. I want to be by myself. It's great. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug uh, your website one more time, and then we'll let you go banter. Oh, let, let's go banter, because the show is bantering. Uh, the site is BehindTheBenches.com. <laughs> and on Twitter, we're at Bench Bosses. Bench Behind bosses. the Benches didn't fit. Uh, I'm just, yeah, that makes I sense. actually like Bench Bosses as the handle, and I'm surprised it wasn't taken. Me too, yeah. actually. That was a that was that's, the operating name of the project for like seven months before we settled on behind the benches. Yeah. Hey, wait, I, wait. I, I do have one more question about the website. How, yeah. How did you like keep it a secret for that long? Who else knew? We kept it a we secret told, for a while before we told. We anyone. told the people we really liked, and that's why. No. Okay. Once we started we like down, okay. doing it, we waited though <laughs> to even tell anyone at Blue Shirt. Yeah. We. Oh wow. Yeah, we, we, waited, cooked... we waited at least a month or two before telling them, right? Like, oh, yeah. Had... And then it was this idea of, you know, we, we reached out to a lot of guys, you know, who you know, were running team sites on the SB Nation network, you know, that I've, because I've written there for seven years or so. So it's a lot of just like, oh, just, you know, resources. And Shana, because she's smarter and better than me, is, uh, you know, works at The Athletic. So she has a lot of contacts there. We were able to get in touch with some beat writers and, because the smaller market team is like, you know, it's a little harder to find out, like, you know, what the, you know, assistant coach of the Carolina Hurricanes does as opposed to, you know, like what, you know, the Canadians assistant coach does. It just. Toronto is surprisingly a pain in the ass, though. Yeah, but that's all the Lou Misty. Yeah, no, Prelu. Prelu sucked. Post Lou was easy because it was Babcock and same people from Detroit, same roles just about. But before yeah. Lou. Pain in the ass. Hmm. Big pain well, in the ass. You hear that, Toronto? Yeah, we would just go yeah, around asking cryptic your questions. Ridiculously good Maple Leaf team. All right, guys, thanks so much for coming on. We'll probably talk to you sooner than later. I know you interact with Greg constantly on Twitter, and I'll wave, and I, I, I read in the background. That's what I do. Uh, I'll talk. Well, I love you guys. I'll see you soon. That's all. Thanks Bye. for having us. <laughs> thanks for having us. Hey, we're back. Uh, that was a wonderful interview. I, I told them I loved them and I meant it. I, they are. I have nothing but nice things to say about Shana and Mike. Shana is like my neighbor, actually, which is kind of weird. And not my I, actual I neighbor, but we live rather. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give her away. Well, we did already. Um, <laughs> there's that. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, I love Mike too. Um, I, I, that feel like I, get, seems like... I, I, I do feel like I get bonus points from Carp every time I bring up Shana. He, he's just like, oh, Shana, she's so great. I'm like, yeah, she is. Well, okay. So now that they're gone and it's just you and I and no one else is listening and definitely no one else out there is listening, um, how ridiculous is they, – they did all that work? That's insane. We would yeah, never dude, do that. Fucking nuts. What, what if you never do that? <laughs> you have to drag me out of bed to do a fucking podcast. I know. I was like oh, – I, I was trying to fix my computer. I spilled bleach all over myself, and I'm like, Greg, oh, this is so tough. I'm going to have to call in. 
Yeah, Shayna and Mike have been hiding a website about coaching that they only they have done because no one else was up to the task. Sure. It, I also I feel like I come up, you and I come up with stuff where like why haven't people done this before? Like we're talking about something completely different, but instead of being like Mike and Shayna and us doing it, we just go, yeah, I don't. I wonder why they haven't done that before. And yeah, this is never easy. And we don't. <laughs> we just go keep going. Yeah. Oh. Unbelievable. All right, great. Props to them, man. Um, and if they, God bless them, if they ever want to try and tackle juniors coaching, I feel like that shit is a, a web. That when they said play. juniors coaching, and I was like, or even when they said NCAA, I was like, you sure you want to do that, man? That's a lot. <laughs> well, NCAA, I feel like those guys have been coached. Like, you, you get the David Quinns and the Jim Montgomerys here and there, but I feel like whoever has been coaching Wisconsin has been coaching Wisconsin for the last 30 years. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know a shit. I, I, so no, I can't. I don't. The, the Wisconsin coach could also be you, and I wouldn't fucking know it. Um, I want to just quickly hit on Europe. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on it more in, in advance. I mean, in advance in the future. I'm t- I'm jet lagged as hell right now. Uh, watching sports in Europe is miserable. Period. And watching American it's, sports in Europe is miserable, buddy. That's correct. That well, the only the only what is the European sport? Football. That's it. Soccer. Yeah. Yeah, football. Yeah, I, call, I, I called it soccer, and somebody gave me the nastiest look, like I was a demon. Yeah, and then you should have told him, yeah, by the way, who won World War II? Shut up. Suck my dick. That's what I was. <laughs> Back-to-back champions. Um, I was at a rally somehow uh, randomly in Germany that was like a anti-homophobia, uh, you know, racism rally. Dude, and it was a bunch of people. Did you join it? It was a bunch it was just of like a parade. It was a giant parade. I don't know how I got there, but I was just in, I was like walking through the park and I was like, oh, 2,000, 200,000 people. This is ridiculous, huh? I don't know what it is. It, uh, whenever, whenever we travel in different countries, this shit happens. I told you what happened with Mike Vin and I when we were in Brazil, right? We joined no. what we thought was like a normal parade and it turned out to be like a, a rally against the anti-corruption rally. And we're like, oh, Whoa. this is wrong. We need to leave. <laughs> people, yeah, so uh, get um, we're going to get our visas taken away from us. So, Greg, I'm in Germany, and a bunch of people were just screaming, fuck Nazis, not again, chanting. I'm here for that, <laughs> by the like, way. And I'm, like, right next to the Brandenburg Gate, and I'm like, wow, this is interesting, huh? I've done – I'm in some place right now. Yeah, be, be careful if they take your picture. They're going to they're gonna say you're Antifa next or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was crazy. Berlin, one of the best cities I've ever been to. I can't believe how wonderful it is and how safe and nice everyone is. Which makes See, me curious as to what's really going on. I uh, I spent five days in Berlin in college, uh, but it was in like March, which is winter there. So it was like snowing. And yeah. I've told you this, that the trip I was on, it was nothing but fucking museums and walking tours. Uh, it made me hate Berlin. So you oh, say no. you loved Berlin more than any other place you visited this trip uh, makes me take pause because literally... Those five days I spent in Berlin were the most miserable five days I've ever spent outside of the United States in my entire life. Berlin but I don't think is... I don't think it was Berlin related. I think it was just that that class trip fucking sucked. And I think that's that was, was definitely it. I got to tell you, Berlin is the first place I've been to where I was leaving, and I was like, "Should I move here?" That's the first time it's ever happened. Uh, I was like, Prague, "This was so Prague good, was I should consider moving here." Berlin. What was that, Greg? Uh, Prague for me was the first place where I, I visited and I was like, I, why am I leaving? Yeah. Like everyone, I, everyone I met was like, yeah, I used to live at X place. Then I moved there. Then I moved here. 
And then eventually I got to Berlin and I never left. And I was like, huh, seems to be a trend here. <laughs> we would be able to um, record this but, podcast earlier for me, and that'd be, that'd be real nice. I know, it would be super nice. But yeah, thanks again. So weird meeting um, a fan in Switzerland. Like, what? He moved there in like 2006, and he's like, yeah, I keep up with the Rangers through you guys. I was like, that is insane, Mark. You're insane. <laughs> so what you're saying is you <laughs> don't keep up with the Rangers at all, because that's what I'm understanding. No, he, yeah, because well, you want to listen to us. But yeah, he's... He knows a lot about the Mets, awesome. though. Yeah, awesome. Um, next week, I'll be back on a mic, hopefully, if my computer yeah. gets fixed, which, sure. which it should I've be. Heard this and, last week from you. Well, I was in Europe then, and this time I was just a, a very bad, a very, very bad sequence of events. And here we are. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Bushers Break, and you can follow me on Twitter, OH Ryan Mead, O Ryan Mead. And I think that's it for this week. If you guys have any questions, um, make sure you submit them to the five star questions section in iTunes. I know we got a five-star question last week. I, I, it wasn't on iTunes. Someone sent it to me, and I, I'm not going to answer it now because I don't know what it is because I don't have a computer, but just know in the future I'm coming back to you. I did not not see your message. So there you go. I believe person you. who did that. All right. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.